Saturday morning, guys, just really want to encourage you to show up for that men's breakfast. I got a dear friend of mine, a mentor uh, named Dick Wakeman, who's going to be sharing with us on discipleship. And uh, this guy is 78 years old, and he just takes seriously following Jesus and making disciples. He He's um, he's had two daughters that are severely handicapped. His, his wife passed away this year of uh, cancer. And this guy's just a joyful, bright guy who's faced some really difficult times in his life. And he's just finishing strong, similar to what David was describing of this other gentleman who on his deathbed is praising God and, and testifying to the Lord. But one of Dick Wakeman's goals before he dies, he's asked the Lord to give him a 100 years. And he's he's praying for one, that he would be able to make one disciple maker a year in the last 22 years of his life. And uh, this guy's just just a strong follower of God who's still memorizing Scripture, who's still studying, who's still just going hard after God and is actively investing in other men who are going to make a difference. So that, that goes well with what uh, we're, we're focusing on this morning. We're continuing our, um, our series on what is a disciple. What is the disciple of Jesus? And we've looked at John chapter 8 where Jesus said, If you continue in my word, you are really my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then we looked at John 15 and how uh, true disciples of Jesus have this personal connection with Jesus. They abide in Him. They remain in His words. They remain in Him and remain connected to Him. And then they bear much fruit. John 15, 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so we looked at that last week. We looked at what it looks like to have much fruit and what it looks like to abide in Jesus. And, and now I want to jump over to 2 Timothy and, and get a glimpse of this discipleship relationship that was going on between the Apostle Paul and Timothy. And we see some beautiful words here. And this was actually the Apostle Paul's last epistle, his last letter. And he was wanting to encourage his young disciple, Timothy, to remain faithful, to persevere, to fight the good fight, to be steadfast till the very end. And he gave him some instructions in doing so. And so I'm going to pray and we'll open up 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll dig in. Father, I thank you so much that you have given us inspired words written down in a book that we can carry around with us and conveniently read at any moment that we like. And that we could hear all kinds of teaching on and even have played for us audibly so that we can just sit back and listen to these words of truth that are inspired by you. And this morning, as we open up the text, I pray that you would awaken in each one of us a fresh passion and love and delight in your word and you. And that you would convict us where we have taken for granted and neglected this precious treasure that you've given us, your scripture. And I pray that you would equip us, encourage us, empower us to be who you've called us to be, to do what you've called us to do, to be people who are centered upon the gospel, upon your word, and people that bear much fruit because of our connection with you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And also, I ask God that you help me to handle your word well this morning for the 
edification of your people and for the exaltation of your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 10 and go to verse 17. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn there. If you don't, you can look up, look up on the screen and it's there. You, however, he's shifting uh, shifting his tone here. He, Paul just got done describing false teachers. Uh, he just got done describing what it would be like in the last days and how people would be. He listed about 20, just under 20 sinful characteristics of ungodly people. In, in chapter three, and then he changes tone, and I love these 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 changes in the scripture where where Paul or, or, or another author of the Bible, Peter, will say, "But you, but you," he'll shift tones, and here he's shifting tone, and, and he's directing towards Timothy an exhortation. He says, "But you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith." My patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium, Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, speaking to Timothy, there's, here's a command here. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the, that the man of God may be competent or equipped for every good work. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So here's the big idea of where we're going this morning from this text is that Christians must continue believing and following the word of God in the face of opposition. Christians must continue believing and following the word of God in the face of opposition. This word, uh, this exhortation that Paul's giving to Timothy echoes what Jesus told his own disciples. Abide in me. Continue in, in my words. And so Paul's calling Timothy to have this perseverance to, to abide, to continue, to be, to persevere through difficult times. And Paul makes very clear that, that Timothy and anybody else who wants to follow Jesus will experience difficult times. So here's just a couple things that, that I want to highlight here is first of all, is that disciples follow. This is very simple, very basic. And as Christians, we don't grow out of our need for the basics, for the fundamental foundational truths of Scripture. We just, we keep going back to them. We get really good at the acquainted with them, that we, we should know them like the back of our hands. We should know the basics. Professional athletes 
learn the basics of the sports that they're playing and they just go over the basics over and over and over again. It was maybe the Green Bay Packers when they were asked, like, what's the key to their success? And I guess they went to the Super Bowl several times. The basics was what they just kept going over and over and over again. And a disciple is somebody who follows. Notice in verse 10 how how Paul says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, steadfastness, persecutions, and sufferings. Paul discipled Timothy. Paul described Timothy as a son in the Lord, a spiritual son in the Lord. He had, he had invested into his life. And Paul told Timothy in this letter to do the same thing. He says in chapter 2, I want you, Timothy, my son, be strengthened in the grace that's in Christ Jesus and then entrust to faithful men. Entrust, invest in faithful men who will be able to teach others. Disciple, raise up leaders, raise up people who will be faithful and will continue on the ministry, who will follow. Disciples are followers of Jesus. Paul was able to say to to the people that he discipled and led to the Lord, he was able to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Follow me as I follow Jesus. And, And just in this, I just want to ask, how are you doing in following Jesus? And how are you doing in leading others to follow Jesus right now? I think every person, every Christian should have a Paul in their life. Somebody who's mentoring them. And every Christian should have a Timothy in their life. Somebody who they're pouring into. Okay, somebody that they're following, godly examples that they're following, that they're learning, that they're taking their cues from, that are people that are godly, that are like Jesus, and you're learning from them, you're being encouraged from them, and you can imitate their lives because they're doing what Jesus did. You're able to see Christ's likeness in them, godliness in them, and, and you can follow their example. Paul says, you followed my teaching, but also you followed my conduct, my aim in life, my purpose, what, what I was aiming for. My faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Paul had good fruit. He had character. Leaders in the body of Christ are called to be pace setters. They're called to be examples. They're not perfect. There's no perfect leader uh, alive in the body of Christ, right? They have their weaknesses and their struggles. But they're to be pace setters and they're to model godliness and character and godly conduct and godly speech and godly teaching. And teaching was something that Paul emphasized over and over in these epistles. First Timothy, second Timothy and Titus are called pastoral epistles because Paul was writing pastors. So Timothy and Titus, he was trying to encourage them and give them basic truths that they needed to hold fast to and leading the, the church well into health. And so this is very simple. Disciples follow. Timothy was a disciple. So we, we first hear about Timothy in, in the book of Acts. And in chapter 16, it says that Paul came also to Derby uh, in Lystra. And a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, before anybody, any of you guys get a little nervous about this text here, 
I just want to say uh, that you don't have to get circumcised to, to be a follower of Jesus. All right. Just want to make that very clear that nobody has any misunderstanding here. I think this if I'm going to read this, I got to give some explanation of what's going on here. Uh, Jewish people practice something called circumcision, something that God told Abraham to do in the Old Testament. And that took place normally on the eighth day when a baby boy was eight days year, eight days old. Uh, it didn't happen so much when he was, you know, in his 20s or in his 30s and, and Lord have mercy on him if it did, right? But Paul, Paul gets Timothy circumcised not because that's what it means to be a disciple and not because that's how you get right with God. Paul made it very clear in the scriptures that you don't have to be circumcised to be right with God. It's through faith in Jesus. But Paul had Timothy circumcised because Timothy was, his dad was Greek. His dad was probably an unbeliever and his mom was a Jewish believer who had become a Christian. And, and, and so he didn't get circumcised on the eighth day when he was a little boy. So, so Paul had Timothy get circumcised so that the Jewish people wouldn't reject and give Paul and Timothy a hard time in their ministry. There was a principle that Paul lived by in, in his missionary, in his ministry in, in, in first, first Corinthians chapter nine. He talks about it. He says, to the Jew, I become as a Jew, right? I become all things to all men that I might win them to Christ. So Paul was willing to take some steps towards those who are Jewish people in the Jewish realm. Paul, it was his model, it was his practice that when he would go into a new city, Paul would look for Jews first. He would preach the gospel to Jewish people and he would go into the synagogues and he would preach to the Jewish people there. And so Paul didn't want traveling, having Timothy be his traveling companion he didn't want Timothy's lack of circumcision to be a hindrance from the Jewish people hearing what Timothy and Paul had to say, right? Okay, just wanted to explain that there. That is not something we are going to implement here at City Church. Sip, sip, right? Uh, baptism, water baptism is, is, that's, that's enough, right? That's, that's, that's the only initiation that we really need into uh, the Christian faith there, right? Timothy also had a mom and a grandmother who probably came to the Lord under Paul's uh, ministry in uh, Acts chapter 14. Uh, they were believers. And, and Paul, in the very beginning, chapter 1 of Timothy, he says, I remember you with tears. I long to see you that I might be, that I might be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells, dwells in you as well. Just want to point this out too, because we got several mothers in here. We got families. We have young families raising up children. We, we have family discipleship taking place. Moms and grandmothers never underestimate your influence in the life of your children. It's, it's powerful and it's necessary and discipleship should start in the home. Discipleship should start in the home. And Paul was calling Timothy to remember in verse 14, continue in what you have learned and remember from whom you learn those things. Remember, and he's referring to his mom and his grandmother initially, like they taught him the scriptures. They, they taught him about God. And he's calling Timothy to remember that. 
Remember that, you know, here at, at City Church, we take family discipleship seriously. We want to disciple our children. We want to lead them to Jesus. We want them to know the gospel. We want them to know the basics of the faith. That's why we're doing this catechism where we're, we're trying to teach them the core elements of Christianity and what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus. We want our children to know good, sound, healthy doctrine. All right. And again, it's not enough parents for us to just say, do as I say, but not as I do. Leaders don't lead with only their lips. They lead with their lives. Leaders don't lead with just verbal exhortations. They lead with lived out examples before others. Okay. That's effective teaching and discipling. Paul was able to say, don't, don't just do what I say, but do what I do. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Um, so Timothy had a godly heritage. He was a disciple and Paul developed him as a leader. He, he invested into his life. He called him out. He says, man, I want you to roll with me. You're going to have to get circumcised, but come on, man, let's do it. So disciples follow very simple, very basic. Uh, the, the next thing is that disciples will suffer. In 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Here's a promise that you don't see on refrigerators often. Here's a promise that you won't hear a lot of people quoting, unless you're here at City Church, right? All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. Jesus told his disciples this in the second half of John 15. He said, if the world hates me, the world's going to hate you. If you're my disciples and you're following me, the world's going to hate you. You're going to have opposition. Therefore, the necessity to be encouraged and, and persevering is there. And so Paul does that. And, and he lets Timothy know he doesn't want him to be naive that everything's just going to go smoothly now that he's following Jesus. No troubles, no opposition. Everybody's going to love him and everybody's going to respond to the gospel when he preaches. And there's never going to be any problems in churches, never going to be any false teachers. There were false teachers that Timothy had to resist and, 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 and correct and rebuke. And, and there were people who were opposing Christianity. And Paul exhorted Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3. He says, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Jesus. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus. We have a couple people here who have served in the military, Micah being one of them. And if you're in the military and you're out on the battlefield, you're going to probably get shot at, right? If you're a football player, you're going, if, and you're out on the field, you're going to get hit, all right? There, there are, there's going to be opposition. If you're gonna, if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a follower, a follower of Jesus, there will be opposition. There will be persecution. Don't be surprised by it. I think we should be surprised if we're not experiencing it. And ask ourselves, am I really living a godly life? Am I really living a godly standard that challenges those around me? Now, I don't think we should go seeking out persecution or pray for it. 
It'll come. It'll come in due time. You just focus on following Jesus and in due time you will have some persecution. You will have some opposition. People will slander your name. People will talk bad about you. People will cuss in your face, will push you, will, will tax you, will, uh, will challenge you and your family and do things to try to harm you because of the name of Jesus. The world will hate you. And so Paul exhorts Timothy to share in the sufferings as a good soldier. Soldiers must endure some opposition. There's a war. There's a battle that we're in. Paul also in 2 Timothy 2, he likens following Jesus uh, to be like an athlete. Athletes have to compete and, and, and they have to play by the rules. They got to do what the rule book says if they're not going to be disqualified. And then a farmer, a farmer is going to have to endure and be patient and then he'll get to eat the fruit of the crop, the fruit of his labor. In 2 Timothy 4, he also says, as for you, be always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So suffering is to be expected. Opposition is to be expected if we're going to follow Jesus. If you want to choose the easy path, the comfortable path, you might be able to avoid some of that suffering. But when we follow Jesus, it's a narrow and a difficult way. Following Jesus requires taking up your cross, denying yourself, and being willing to go through difficult times. So disciples follow, disciples suffer, and then disciples uh, will persevere. Verse 14, and this is where I want to, this is what I want to emphasize this morning and in, in, into 16 and 17 as well. But as for you, continue in what you've learned. And have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned them and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. Paul is calling Timothy back to what he had been brought up on, the truth of Scripture. Some of us here have been brought up in godly families and you've been taught the Scripture from your mom or your dad. you got examples set before you. Remember those truths that you've been taught. Continue in those truths. Don't think that you, you graduated out of those fundamental truths and you don't need them anymore. You keep going back to them. Keep going back to the basic truths. Just like you use the, the foundation of a house or a building when every time you use the building, you're, you're depending upon... <clears throat> the foundation that's there. And so we go, we, we continue in what we've learned, the basics, the fundamentals that we've learned about Jesus. And every disciple should be well acquainted in those fundament, fundamentals. We want everybody here to be fully equipped as a follower of Jesus, to be discipled, to know basic things about the Christian faith. I recently, uh, Pastor Mike and I went to a conference this week and, uh, and we got to, we, we heard a talk, talk by a lady named Jim, Jen Wilkin and she was talking about biblical illiteracy and, and how, how many people in the body of Christ don't know their Bibles. And it was fun. We, we, we took a little quiz. She quizzed everybody there with, there was about 20 questions about how well we, you know your Bible. Me and Pastor Mike were like, yeah, we're excited about that. A Bible quiz. I get excited about Bible trivia. It's fun because I love the Bible. 
Now, if I didn't read the Bible and spend much time in the Bible, didn't have a passion for the Bible, Bible trivia would not be exciting for me. So I want to ask you, is Bible trivia exciting for you? If I were to say, let's do a Bible quiz right now. I got 20 questions for you guys. I want to see how well you know your Bibles. Would y'all all of a sudden feel insecure and afraid and be like, I need to go to the bathroom? I think that's my kid. And I think I hear my kid crying over there. I'm going to go check on them, right? We should be in love with the scriptures because the scriptures reveal who God is. The scriptures make us wise for salvation. The scriptures equip us for every good work. The scriptures contains words that have life in them, that impart grace in them, that will fill us with joy. If you lack joy as a Christian, spend time meditating on the Word of God until it it produces joy in you. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found by me and I ate them and your word became to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. John 15, I believe verse 11, Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you that, that my joy might be in you. The words of God bring joy to us when we hear them and we believe them and they have place in us. We digest them. We take them in. We ruminate, like I mentioned last week, like a cow. cow actually has four stomachs. My wife corrected me, not six. And and they chew the cud. They eat the grass. Okay. And and, and they, they, they chew it. It comes back up. They chew it. It comes back up. They chew it. Technically, they have one stomach, actually. But they have four compartments, right? <laughs> and, and so we should ruminate on the scripture and digest it and let it become a part of us that we're, that we're familiar with it. Does your Bible have dust on it? Does your Bible, ha- can, can we write something in your, in, on your Bible because of the dust that's on it? There is life and truth in there that you and I so need, especially Living in a culture that is hostile towards the truths that the Bible teaches. That was true in Timothy's day. There was opposition. There were people who didn't like the message of Christianity, didn't like what, what, what Christianity proclaimed. And it's also true today as well that people don't like it. People don't like the message. People resist the message about Christianity. So let's, let's look at verse um, verse 14, Paul says, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned them. So there's examples that we follow, that we've learned from godly saints who've gone before us, that we can, we can see the fruit of their lives, people who followed the word of God, who know the word of God, we should learn from them. And in verse 14, Paul's, I think, referring to his mom and his grandmother. Look at verse 16. Let's go. This is where we want to go this morning. He says, for all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Ladies, I hope you don't feel left out in that, that phrase, that the man of God may be competent, because that's, that's for you as well, that you might be competent and equipped in the word of God. Uh, most likely, he's, he's referring, though, in verse 17 to... Timothy as a pastor, as a, as a spiritual leader in the church. 
Um, but all of God's people, every disciple of Jesus Christ should be equipped and discipled with the word of God. So, so Micah, I mentioned Micah earlier as a, as a, as a uh, soldier who served in Marines over, overseas and he was a, um, he was a gunner, right? Yeah, machine gunner. Machine gunner, okay. Just think about Micah, if he didn't know how to use that very well, he didn't, he forgot basic training and he's like, how do I load this or how do, how do I clean this? How, what, how, what do I do with this? How do, how do I make this work? Imagine how many Christians are out there who are on the battlefields, who are in situations, who are being challenged and being attacked and being confronted about what they believe and they don't know how to use the scriptures. To defend the truths that they believe, that they say they believe, right? You know, just like a soldier has to go through basic training and they have to use those, that, that basic training that they've learned and they, they, they need it to survive, to, to, to stand on the battlefield. We as Christians are in a battle. We, there is opposition. There are people who to hate Christians, who hate God and are opposed to the message and we must know it. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's inspired by God. This implies authority. The word of God is our authority. If we ever say anything up here that doesn't line up with scripture, then challenge it with the authority of scripture. Because here at City Church, I'm not the ultimate authority. Pastor Mike's not the ultimate authority. Jesus is. And his word is. In my marriage... My wife has permission to correct me with this word. As a husband, if I'm not leading her like Jesus uh, instructs, like Paul instructs in, in Ephesians chapter 5, if I'm out of place as a father, or if I'm doing something that doesn't line up with Scripture, my wife has permission to take this word and to, to graciously and lovingly speak the truth to me. Graciously and lovingly at the right time. To speak this truth to me, even if it hurts. Spouses, do you give your, 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 do you give your husband or wife permission and invite them to speak the truth of scripture to you? Or are, are you defensive anytime your spouse has something to address or correct? Are you approachable? Are you approachable? You see, we as Christians should live our lives by this word and that will create unity when we do, by the way. When we, when we actually believe it, teach it, apply it, live it out, this will create unity. It won't, husbands, it won't be as difficult for wives to submit to your leadership if you're loving them like Jesus loved the church. And you're sacrificially laying down your life for your, for your wife and your family. It'll be easier for them to submit. Not that it's easy, right, ladies? So anyways, that's a, that's a side trail. But it's a practical, good one for us. The word of God is the authority. It's breathed out by God. It's inspired by God. The scriptures are from God for us. They're for us. We shouldn't neglect them. We should be people of the word. And they're profitable. They're valuable. You know, it's, it's similar to what Jesus, what Paul said in 1 Timothy 4. He says um, with, about exercise that it has some value, but godliness is profitable in everything, right? Uh, the scriptures are, are profitable. They're profitable for teaching, reproof. If you need to be corrected, correction, 
If you need to be rebuked because you're doing something wrong, you're saying something wrong, the scriptures are what we need to know and draw from. Uh, if we don't know the scriptures, we may not have biblical conviction and basis for bringing correction to other people. So the more we can, or ourselves, or our own life. So if, if we're not acquainted with what the word says, we're more prone to, to just do whatever we want versus live our lives by what the Bible says. When we know the scriptures and we submit to the authority of it and we receive the inspiration of it as being from God and we embrace it, it produces good fruit in our lives and it equips, it equips us for every good work. Nobody wants to be inadequate. I'm sure we've all felt feelings of being inadequate, whether it's at your job, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's as a parent, whether it's at church. We've all felt those feelings of being inadequate. And the Word of God is what we need to get equipped for every good work, every good work that God calls you to, Christian. That you just don't feel like, I don't know what to do. What do I do with this? What do I do in this situation? The Word of God will equip you for every good work so that you can be faithful, that you can be fruitful, so that you can be a blessing to those around. But this doesn't happen automatically. Right? There's, there's some intentionality that needs to take place. Disciples get equipped with the Word of God. And churches, one of the main things that needs to happen in every church is that the leadership needs to teach the Bible in such a way that it equips the saints to do the work of the ministry out there. In here and out there. And so we're committed to that here. We're going to preach the Bible here, even though we may not have a lot of jokes and we may not have a lot of stories and we may not tighten up our sermons to 20 minutes long. Uh, there may not be a lot of other things that, that other churches are doing that we're not, that we're not doing here, but we're going to spend time preaching, exposing what the Word of God says and living our lives by it because we think that the Bible's enough. The, the Bible is enough to, to bring the content that we need as a church to be healthy. The Bible is enough for us to feed on and, and, and get the nourishment that we need spiritually. So there is authority and there's sufficiency in the scripture. Paul was um, referring primarily here, I think, to the Old Testament. But I think there were parts of the New Testament that would be included in here when he says all scripture and of course, we have the New Testament. Now, at this time, the whole New Testament was not formed uh, when Paul was writing this. It was in the process of being formed. Uh, Peter, in first, second Peter, Peter refers to Paul's writing as Scripture. He says there's these, these false teachers. They twist, uh, they twist uh, what Paul's saying because sometimes he says some things that are really difficult to understand. And they twist them just like they do the rest of the Scriptures. We believe in the inspiration of the Bible, that it's infallible, that the original manuscripts of the Bible are, uh, are without error, that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It's infallible. It, there's no errors in it. It's the truth. Amen? Amen? And that's one of the things that unites us here as, as Christians. Paul goes on in chapter 4, and he, in light of the Scriptures being enough to proclaim... Uh, to, to teach, to lead, to equip the people of God. 
Paul goes on to charge Timothy and he gives the, gives him this strong charge. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus, of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. Now, let me just say this. A lot of churches will not focus on that right there, that element. Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead. That doesn't tickle anybody's ears, does it? That creates some sobriety, some reverence, some fear that we all need to have a healthy dose of. Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead by His appearing and His kingdom. And so Paul says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, just healthy teaching. Good, a good solid, a good spiritual meal. They want candy. They want their, their ears to be tickled. They want stories. They want entertainment. A time is coming when they will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and will wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. We're committed to this here. We're committed to preaching through what the Bible says, uh, what we call expository preaching. We want to expose what the text says, and we want to emphasize what the text says here at City Church. We don't want to just choose a topic and then use all our scriptures to support what we think the Bible teaches. We want to let the Bible say what it says and then try to explain what does it mean. And then we want to look at how should we apply it after we know what it says and we know what it means. Then we should be asking the question, well, how do I apply that to my life? And a lot of folks are just going straight to how do, how do I apply that to my life? Give me something practical, right? But if you don't know what the Bible says and what it means, your application may be way off from what it's intended, what the Bible's intended to do for us and teach us, right? And so we're committed to that here, to explaining what does the Bible mean? What's the context? What was the intention? What was the aim of it? And so just like every Sunday, we have this section right here, application. Because we think it's important to preach and teach what the Bible says and explain what it means. But we also think it's very important that we apply it to our lives. So here's some application. Learn from godly saints who follow Jesus. Who are those in your life? Who are the Pauls in your life? Or the Loises and the Eunices. Timothy had his mother and grandmother. Who are those people who've modeled for you godliness? And what it looks like to really follow Jesus. In Philippians 3.17, Paul says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. In chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul sets up Timothy as an example. And he says, I have no one else like this guy who's not like seeking to serve himself, but he's like, he's a servant and he's, he's available and he's, uh, uh, and, and it was, it's hard to find people like that, right? So who are those in your life and learn from them? 
Learn from their example. Ask questions. If, if you haven't been discipled or, or you need help being discipled, find somebody that you think can help you in your journey with Jesus and ask them to meet with you. And, and show up. Like, be consistent. If you get an assignment to read a book, do the purple book, do it! Read it! Right? Do it. Just, like, if, if they're trying to lead you in something, you gotta follow. Right? If you want to grow as a disciple, you got to take some steps. You can't just sit in a chair and expect it just to come to you. Just like, give me the download, Pastor Keith. Just look, give me the download for this, son. You have to do some work throughout the week, daily. My wife and I, we daily spend time in the Word of God. That's our practice, is to open up the Scripture with our cup of coffee and let God speak to us and respond to Him. Every morning, uh, make that a habit that you are creating space and time to do that. Re- review and practice foundational truths of Scripture. Don't don't get so familiar with certain verses and truths of the the Bible that you just like you don't go back there. You just you just think well, that's for uh, that's for the preschool kids, right? You do, you don't grow out of your need for those basic truths. Truths like First John one nine, the Christian bar of soap. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you think you've grown out of your need for that verse, then you just might need it sooner than you think. Because you may blow it with your spouse or your children or at work. And you may need to confess and get some cleansing because your conscience is just condemning you. 1 John 1.9 works great for that. Maybe you've got a temptation that you're struggling with. What verses are you going to pull out when you're tempted when you're tempted to look at something you shouldn't look at. When you're tempted to take an offense that you shouldn't take offense. What, what verses are you going to go to to fight temptation? How about first, first Corinthians 10, 13? No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to man. But God is faithful who with each temptation will make a way of escape that you might be able to endure it. That's a good one. How about prayer? You're struggling to believe God that He's going to hear your prayers and, and answer your prayers. First, uh, John 15, 7, a quote spoke it last week. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you desire, whatever you wish, and it'll be given to you. How about, how about salvation? How about assurance of salvation? How, how do I really know if I'm a Christian? Well, read first John. First John chapter five, around, uh, what verse uh, is it? 13. Um, These things I've written to you who believe in the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Right? And then assurance of prayer, verse 14 and 15 after that. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, we know we have the things that we ask for. What scriptures are you tucking away, treasuring in your heart, letting go deep inside of you and letting it shape the way you think, speak, and live. You can lead others with those. You can feed yourself with those. You, you have to learn to self-feed as a Christian. A disciple doesn't just feed on podcasts, sermons from other people, other food that's been digested by others. Now, there, when you're a baby, there's time for milk. Okay? Milk is for babies. And, and P- 1 Peter chapter 2 it says, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow there by it. Desire the, the milk. 
Okay, you need nourishment. As if you're a new Christian, you need nourishment. But milk is something that the mother has taken in and digested. It's nourishment that has come through someone else. That's okay for a season. But when you're five or six years old, it's time to get off the milk and start eating solids, right? And feet, learn to put it in your mouth yourself when you're hungry. Don't just whine. Ah, feed me. Feed me pasta or whatever, podcast or whatever. Learn to feed yourself with the scriptures. Go to the scriptures. Eat it. Take it in. Let it strengthen you. Let it nourish you. Enjoy the flavors, the sweetness of it, the saltiness of it. Sometimes what may seem sour. Take in that nourishment, all of the Bible. Let it nourish you as a Christian and grow and be strong. Don't be weak and anemic spiritually. Feed on the Word of God. And I know I'm being strong here. I'm, I'm passionate about this. I know that if we're going to be fruitful and effective, if we're going to have joy in our Christian walk, we need to let this sink in. Let the scriptures sink in. We need to continue in what we've learned. And then continue to study and learn portions of the scripture that you're less familiar with. I was challenged this week to, to uh, study uh, Jeremiah or Ezekiel. Like, like, what do you know about Ezekiel? Uh, it, I would love to do a Bible quiz right now, but I'm not going to do, do a Bible quiz with you guys. Put you on the spot. And so let's commit. Let's, let's resolve today to be people of the word so that you can grow and that your, your joy can be complete and your joy can be full and that you can lead others, you can disciple others so that you can please God. As a soldier, Paul says, as a soldier, a soldier aims to please the one whom enlisted him. That's what a soldier does. I'm going to follow the commands of my commander, the one who gives me a, a command. I'm going to do it. That's what soldiers do. Disciples Follow the commands of Jesus. So study and learn portions of the scripture. If you want to go deeper in the scripture, Wednesday night, it's a great time for that. We are in John chapter 10 this week. And the words of Jesus in the book of John are so rich. They're so profound, yet they're so simple. You can come on, on, on Wednesday night and have some discussions around the text. If you got questions, you can ask questions and, and just let the Word of God take root in you. Create space for the Word of God in your life. Don't be like those in John 8 who Jesus said, My Word has no place in you. You've created no space for My Word. You don't believe it. You reject it. You don't value it. You don't have any love. And He tells those guys you're not of God in John chapter 8. But... Here, but you, let me switch tones here since I've been talking about coming down hard. But you, children of God, child of God, brother, sister, continue in what you've heard, what you've learned and believed, have firmly believed, knowing whom you've learned them from, learn those things from. And knowing that those scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation, knowing that all scripture it's profitable. It's breathed out by God. It's profitable for reproof when you need it, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, because we all need some correction in our life, for instruction, training in righteousness. You need to know what to do and how to do it, how to do what's good and honorable before the Lord. 
to equip you for every good work. Let the scriptures do that. Take on condemnation this morning just because I'm challenging you and, and you may feel like you need to step it up in your Bible reading. Uh, and, and let me just say this about Bible reading. It's not about how much content you can just like survey through. We did that last year, right? Uh, go through the, the, the Bible in a year. Uh, I think it's great to, to have some kind of plan. Uh, mothers who have meal plans, right? Isn't that great to have some kind of meal plan for the week? If you don't have a meal plan for the week, what's going to happen, ladies? What? Chick-fil-A? Let's go out to eat. If you don't have a meal plan, what's going to happen? You spend more money. What's that? Food goes bad. You get stressed out. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? We're going to go out to eat. Chick-fil-A, right? Uh, if you don't have a meal, <laughs> if you don't have a meal plan, you might just just take what, what you know. You might just eat the hot dogs that are there, right? That you just warm them up real quick, right? You might just you might not get the the nourishment that you need, and you might be stressed out. And so, get a meal plan spiritually. Like like where where are you at in in the scriptures? You know, and if you're if you don't have a plan, then then find one. Just start. You start. We have a the 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 Bible project, uh, or you can jump in on Wednesday nights and just study John with us and meditate on the words in the Book of John every week. Or find a book of the Bible and just study it, read it. Like right now, I just heard the ladies are going to start studying uh, about joy. I said, well, that sounds like the Book of Philippians. You guys going to study the Book of Philippians? Like find a book, study it, and just take it in, meditate on it, reflect on it. Digest it. Let it become a part of you. Okay? I'm going to pray. And then we will enjoy a fellowship meal together. Uh, if you didn't bring anything uh, to the fellowship meal, that's okay. You're welcome to just receive grace and enjoy the food that's provided here this morning. Amen? But next time, bring something. <laughs> All right, okay. Lord, thank you again that you haven't left us to try to figure it out by ourselves down here. That you're with us, you're for us, and you have given us this beautiful word, your words of life. And I pray that we would value that here and that it would have place in our hearts and our homes, that we would, as in Colossians 3.16 says, that we would let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, being a thankful, a grateful people. And so, Lord, lead us into that. In Jesus' name, amen.